Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Special guests, we got a special guest out of Nashville by way of Memphis, all over the place. Can be she, she will talk off air about our vernaculars from our different cities. It's Mary Edwards here, the visionary, single woman Jones. She got a lot going on. We'll talk about all of that here on the Boston Show tonight. Hey, how you doing? Good to talk to you on the show finally. What's up? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No doubt. I was going to ask you about your background, first and foremost, to know who you are, man. So tell us about how you got started in business. What was your trigger point to get into business and work for yourself and make money on your own, having your own different kind of hustle, jack of all trades? Tell us all about, about your start. Okay. Well, I like to call myself the Jill of Many Skills. Um, I actually meant to wear that shirt today, but I couldn't find it. So I wore another single woman Jones shirt instead. But... Um, I actually just started as a side hustle, to be honest. Um, in college, I used to write resumes, write other people's papers. Don't tell anybody about my plagiarism. Uh, <laughs> but I used to write other people's papers, just all types of different, like, writing things for um, others so that I could just get a little extra money. And um, the couple years before what we now call as the pandemic or quarantine, I um, really kind of, like, got a little bit more notoriety. People started kind of recommending me through word of mouth. And then from there, um, I would just, I had a day job, of course, but was just doing that on the side. And then when the pandemic hit, um, it kind of pivoted from me doing events and resumes um, to helping people with their businesses, as well as just kind of branching off into like really doing it on my own uh, because I had essentially gotten laid off. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's mighty strange, but not strange, how the pandemic made a lot of people entrepreneurs full-time now because, you know, you thought you had a job, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, on my birthday, March 11th of 2020, when I was playing the Hawks game, um, <laughs> got worried that everything was canceled. So forever, my birthday was the day that the quarantine and the, the pandemic hit because wow. yeah, my birthday week, March 11th. Now, I will, I will sit up here and tell y'all, no lie, on March 14th, I was in BB Kings on a down that downtown Nashville having a birthday party. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. Uh, we like, didn't really know. We didn't know how serious it was. You know, but on Twitter, I was like, look at Nashville. <laughs> I was one of the yes. fools out there. I said, I'm sorry, my birthday. Yes, everyone should shut down. I'm sorry, my birthday. One last, it was a rainy night, but I get more than my birthday. So I did it. So who knew that that was gonna change, change all our lives forever? You got consistently mm -hmm. laid off and forced you into doing what you're doing on a high level now. But a lot of people now are entrepreneurs now with businesses, doing things online now, and never going back to that nine to five life ever again. So for you, do you feel freer now that you're doing your own thing, not having to be shackled by a time clock and say, hey, these hours, you are here, you mine? Well, actually, I did pick up a day job um, recently, but for about a year and a half, I guess, a um, little bit more than that, I was working for myself and I did, I felt free because I could make my own schedule. Um, I got to do a lot of the things that, what I used to say, I'm living in the days that I pray for, where I could get up, go for a walk, exercise, make my breakfast, just kind of take things at my own pace and then get into whatever the day, you know, whatever I had set for the day. Mm -hmm. um, now it's a little bit different because I do have a day job. Um, before I was, uh, before the pandemic, I worked in real estate. So I got back into real estate, uh, working on getting my license. So I work as a transaction coordinator just to be able to add that other thing under my belt, um, you know, before the end of the year. It's funny you say that. I'm like, I'm three credits away from getting a minor TSU in real estate. I actually want to stay around for a semester for getting a minor real estate. 
I'm, mm. a, I'm literally one class away from having a minor. Wow. From Chelsea State. But I want to get on with my career in radio. I didn't want to stick around mm. the semester. So, but I understand that, but man, like real estate is so fascinating. Um, I worked as the office manager for a huge company here, and um, I basically started their office in Nashville. Um, and with that, I learned so much about real estate and just different neighborhoods, how things are done, the process of buying and selling. It's just all really fascinating to know, like the inner workings of that. And then um, just differences in brokerages too. Um, and there's so much you can do with investing and um, just, I don't know. It's just, it's all really interesting to me. Do you feel a catch 22 though uh, with all the gentrification going on in Nashville? Because, you know, you know, it's really affecting our people. You know what I'm saying? Especially in North and East, East Nashville, we're getting forced feel, out. You know, good. It affects me too. <laughs> Yeah, I, so. I still live in the hood. I live right in the heart of North Nashville. Um, and it was why I say it was interesting is because being around, I was also the only person of color in the office for a very long time. So it's almost like you stick out like a sore thumb, but at the same time you're invisible. So you're mm -hmm. privy to conversations that people don't necessarily think you understand, or um you know, they don't care about having those conversations in front of you because they don't think you know what's going on. But, um, I like, you find out a lot about what people really think about the people living in these neighborhoods. Who is, you know, like, an evil developer coming in to push Black people out versus people who really do care about the communities they're affecting um, when they build these new tall and skinny homes, as we like to call them, or um, just, like, North Nashville and stuff, like, near where I say, um, you have where I guess you, you you feel a sense of pride because you have like black owned businesses like Slim and Huskies, Willie B's, and things coming up on Buchanan. But then on these side streets and stuff, you still have like a house that's been here for thirty years, and then next to it is a duplex or two tall and skinnies or something like that. It's just it's strange because mm -hmm. pretty soon you know you'll be seeing that little house eventually is going to disappear. You know. Do eminent domain or getting right. offered a, a offer that's not really good, but it looks good on paper. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of people don't know about eminent domain, too. And that's something I learned about um, actually living in Memphis, um, just knowing people who were in real estate there, not knowing a whole lot about it. But I worked for a nonprofit organization. Um, and I, that's where I first heard the term. And then I was like, oh, they can do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah, because yeah, that's how the Falcon State Stadium got built in Atlanta, eminent domain. So, and also they use taxes to do it too. Mm -hmm. Like they raise your, your uh, property taxes. I had a a family member, a co a cousin. She's in her sixties, and she had a house in South Nashville. And she would tell me about how her property taxes were going up and how they were trying to push them out the neighborhood. But I think um, she may have sold and got a you know a pretty good deal. But that was just because she you know had someone um trustworthy i think and a lot of times that's the thing too like these people will send you these um notices in the mail we want to buy your home or they and, call you it says scam likely on my phone when they call you yeah <laughs> your home. um when my grandmother was still living she had people send her stuff and call and all the time and because these people are elderly they're you know taking advantage you know talking fast and over talking and convincing people to do things they wouldn't normally do um so I definitely that I think if there's anything that burns me up the most about the whole gentrification thing is the preying on the elderly yes yes exactly and you know what's crazy about it um I took my father to go appeal his taxes down to little second avenue Howard building I appealed my taxes uh, and then right down the street from me they building up with some of them tall and skinnies and whatever they building I mean literally like really you know, I call them tornado targets. That's what I call them. <laughs> tornado targets. I'm about to use that one. They do look like if you blow hard enough, they're going to fall over. Yes, yeah, the tornado targets. <laughs> and speaking of North Nashville, the tornado happened last March the 2nd or 3rd. It was funny. Um, the, yeah. Hawks, the Hawks played the Grizzlies that night. And I drove to town to see my father. And I know what was going on. It was a tornado going on in Nashville. I'll come, I'll come up with 24 going up North Nashville Way, what with you, woo? And I don't know what's going on. 
And I'm looking at my phone, tornado, what? I know it's raining like crazy and thundering. Right. But the hot for the Grizzlies that night in Atlanta, I drove up here and I was like, wow. So I, I knew that was going, I didn't know that was going on either. So, but in Grove North Nashville, I had people affected over on Arthur and, you know, on DB Todd and you see yeah, on the highway still kind of dark over there. We was messed up for, I think we was out of power for at least a week. So we would like come during the day and stay here, make sure the house was fine and, you know, operate with the windows open. It was freezing. But then um, <laughs> we would go in the, in the evenings and stay with my aunt. But it was a mess. Like, and I had a job then that was affected by the tornado and then the pandemic. So it was a lot. It affected a lot of small businesses, like back to back. It was like a tornado and then the pandemic. Yes. And it was like, what the heck? Then the Nashville bombing too. There was a bombing in Nashville too. Like, we like, had a rough go at it, okay? <laughs> what the hell's going on in Nashville? I was like, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said Dad, you want to move to Atlanta? No, son, y'all too fast down there. You come down here, you enjoy yourself. Nah, I like Nashville, okay? You like you don't get bombed, but okay? That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. That was crazy. Um, one of my brother's friends, I think, lived in the area and was affected by it as well. Um, over here in North Nashville, we just didn't have phone. We didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't have phone power. Um, it was kind of rough for a few days, but um, yeah, it, Nashville has. <laughs> we've been through a lot here in the last yes months. Now, I think with a lot of jobs being created, the resume writing piece is very important. I, I'll be honest with you, I never had to use, use a resume because of what I do. Mm -hmm. Radio is kind of a little bit different than a regular job having a resume, so. For our listeners out here listening, what are some tips that you can give them that, that you ain't going to charge for? Because <laughs> you charge to do that. <laughs> for them to spruce up their resume. And, and I, I I would give an offline, not expert tip. All previous jobs put them in past tense. But I'll let the expert tell you the rest. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. If it's a past job, put it in. That, I mean, I can't stress that more. Uh, like, yes, if it is a past job, please put it in the past tense. Um, so I actually do um career development as a whole so not only do i upgrade resumes write resumes but also will coach you for your interview help you with negotiation um for your compensation packages the whole gambit um and that i learned just being in corporate america so long i've had a job since i was 14 years old so i have learned a lot about um navigating work culture different types of people um and then as far as resumes go um, to piggyback off what you said about the past tense, make sure you're also only including what's relevant. Like, we don't need to know your very first job you worked when you was 14. Um, we just want to go back about 10 years. Uh, that's what most employees are usually looking for. Now, do you say put your education in the year on there or just put the job? Because no. I feel like sometimes the year is used against you almost. Yes. So I take, like, I had a client more recently who has 24 years of experience. And while I put 24 years of experience in their summary, I remove the dates on their education because it will date you and or employers will try to figure out how old you are. And then sometimes kind of inadvertently um, have a, a bias because you're older, which is technically discrimination. So um, age discrimination. So yes, I always remove the years. Unless it is somebody who recently like in the last year or two graduated and this is a entry-level position and you're trying to kind of break into the field sometimes it helps it just kind of depends on the scenario but for most cases i leave it off yeah because like you said they can kind of figure out okay you graduated in 2011 okay you probably like 22 something like that okay some, yeah they, they, they ain't gonna do the math on you so yeah mm -hmm. i've told people this and you know with my non-expert you know uh, thoughts about it you know don't do that you do that because and the, okay i ain't gonna lie to you some folk names be <laughs> <laughs> i should have known this was gonna come up <laughs> some folk names look, i ain't gonna lie some names i see that i guess it i know i know what they are <laughs> so that is the thing i i've been asked this before like you know what do i do about that so as a person whose name has been butchered my entire life, you would not think that because my name is just Mary, but um, as a person whose name has been butchered my whole life, I have been really careful about people and their names and what I do with them when it comes to a resume. Um, like, 
but I know that people have the reaction that like you just said if it's a what we like to call an ethnic name we can tell that person's probably black or Asian based on you know the spelling or what have you um for us the number of consonants extra uh, you know periods hyphens exclamation points uh apostrophes and such but <laughs> um I usually if it's something that is I know will be difficult to pronounce or is super long or you know you know that they're gonna think it's urban that word that they like to use um I use initials or I use a short name um when you get there um you can tell people your preference. Like I, once you get the job, you say, I prefer to be called Wop Bop Beverly and Boo, but whatever. Um, just to get your foot in the door, you know, do do what you can in the way of like, sometimes I hyphenate my name. My name is uh, Mary Ashley. Sometimes I hyphenate my name um, as Mary Ashley, depending on the job I'm applying for. No doubt. Like I ain't gonna lie. When I see some names, I'm like, Lord, but I was still talk to you. <laughs> but I'm gonna say your mama was high at birth. They'll, you, they'll... And that's the thing, you can't help with your name. Like I was named after my grandmother, yes. and I am the seventh grandchild, and only one of them before me out of the seven is a boy. So there were five other opportunities to name somebody Mary, but I ended up being Mary. You know what I mean? Um I, I don't let people play with my name, but I recognize that it has a unique spelling. Um, people will mispronounce it. So I don't have a, a problem with correcting people as long as, it's, you know, I do so politely, um, which I recommend um, if you're in that situation when interviewing or what have you. Um, but yeah, use a short name. Use a abbreviated name. Um, I will say this. If somebody asks you, can they shorten your name? I typically say no. Yeah, no. Like, if yeah. someone tries to nickname you, I'm absolutely against that. Yeah, like, I have people, what does JR stand for? Whatever you want to stand for. <laughs> That's my answer. Uh, yeah. Why are you being so smart? Uh, just go with JR. That's you what I prefer to be called. <laughs> you don't need to know what that stands for. Yeah. If, I'm if like, you got a half a brain, you can figure out probably it stands it's for <laughs> like what does it stand very, very rare, rarely is it like Jerome Robertson? It's like so and so junior. You know what's funny? When somebody might say, uh Junior, who the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Right. Try again. I had to go speak to a school. We're here with Junior the Boss Man. Junior the Boss. Who the? But the letters are capital. Like, who in the black? Like, I sit in my seat. I don't know like, who that. So I used to do that too. Like people will call my name and they'll go Marie, Mari, Mariah. And I'm like, and now wait a minute. And if they don't correct, I'm like, it's Mary. But like somebody called me earlier, I was like, "Can I speak to Mari?" And I was like, "It's," I was like, "This is Mary." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry." So I try to yeah. find like you know polite ways to correct yeah, people. Mary, yeah, like the Virgin oh. Mary, but spelled differently. Shouties and shoutettes, yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, players and playettes. That's another one I use, Milana. You know, players and playettes. You know, yeah. so yeah, like you know, so yeah, like I said, so so, 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 so what they call your dad? You don't worry about that. You just call me what I told you to call me. Yeah, right. <laughs> you had me tap into my rock mode, Jabroni. Yeah, calling me by the wrong <laughs> that name. Been like, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> or I could book a T sucker. What's back book a T C? <laughs> now, see, I did kind of watch wrestling a little bit. Now, that's something I might know I, a, a, this much about. <laughs> Man, look, I watched that junk Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and Sundays. My grandmother liked wrestling, so I watched it on occasion. And also, we had wrestling matches after church, too. Out there in the front of the grass at church. <laughs> yeah, church members. Yeah, we, we have grass stains on, on them suits, getting getting in trouble. Dry cleaners, everything, yeah. They hate that, but look. I had to get do, do the pedigree one time and give them a DDT after church. That's when to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you watch the wrestling movies, you want to try them on somebody. So I, try them right. on I, I didn't care. <laughs> like... <laughs> you know, like, now I had a um a cousin, a guy cousin, 
And so he, we used to try those wrestling moves on each other. Because <laughs> uh, we were the same, around the same age. We, we were the only two, like, grandkids kind of around the same age. Um, so he, we kind of grew up like brother and sister. But yeah, I remember the DDT and the people's eye, elbow and all Rock that. bottom, the stone cold Rock stone, bottom, yeah. The figure four <laughs> leg lock, the walls of Jericho, the ankle lock. I'm doing Ooh, all this. I forgot about all this. <laughs> the spinner Rooney, the super kick. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I didn't try was jumping off the, the, the railing and trying to knock. I, I didn't try those moves. Nah. I did the way I could, I could just stand and kick you or, or stun you or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, look, I was I was a mischievous child, okay? You know, doing the altar call at church, you know, they'd be coming to the altar. So me being the joker I am, I stung close to a, a dude in the middle of church that was 11 years old. <laughs> Not during the altar call, though. You were <laughs> You What's funny was my dad thought it was funny. But he didn't do that to me. He thought it was funny. I'm just imagining people standing there like holding hands. Like I know I was going to my church growing up was like, you know, you just did seeing somebody in the middle, somebody trying to pray for they uh they, uh what's time. funny is my homeboy waiting for the pen. Now I counted once. <laughs> See he got in trouble. I didn't. My dad didn't kill. <laughs> His dad was assistant pastor, but he waited for the pen. So you was a bad influence, is what you're saying. And he owed me about 27, eight, 27 days. That don't mean nothing. I see. I got. He's my elder. I got it from him. He's my elder. That's like my friend earlier today. I was telling her, I was like, you know, I, the more I work, I, I started to drink a little bit more. And she was like, yeah, I drink a lot more when I'm around you too. I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> Wow. He said, well, you blamed yourself first, so I figured I would just run with it. I'm yes, like, I was junior, no doubt. You the elder. She like, uh, see, her birthday's in May, mine is in November. I'm like, you the, you the elder? I got it from you. Yeah, February 12th, March 11th. He got it about 27 days. <laughs> Learning from him. Learning from him. This is the same joker. This joker broke my chair as a child. He, he was, we were playing with a wrestling game. He broke my chair in my room. Mm-hmm. Trying to beat Hulk Hogan or somebody, the Joker broke my chair. <laughs> like, like, damn, bro, broke my chair. You know, my dad said my dad banned him from the house for a while, and he and he made his dad buy me another chair. He was all good at that. Your son broke my son, so he bought him another chair. Or else, he went here about this in, in church on Sunday. He bought me a chair fast, and he went here about church on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, so my dad has my dad has a way to get stuff done. I must say. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, that is probably um, what I say rubbed off on me from my grand my grandmother. Um, and oddly enough, they call me Mary Junior uh, <laughs> because um, she was a, a no nonsense kind of woman who got things done. And I believe that is kind of what um, is the that that's the persona that's the thing that kind of radiates for me when I'm out in the world doing business in whatever capacity mm-hmm. I, I And you know what? You you do some as LinkedIn. You know, I use that for promotional purposes, but I know it's used to find jobs too. So tell us more about that because I think a lot of people don't really know the value of LinkedIn and what it can do for your career as well. I don't think people know that either. I mean, I say that all the time. I've had a LinkedIn since high school, college, maybe freshman year. But I know I, I, we started talking about it, I think, in maybe my senior year because I was in this, um, like, career readiness kind of class or something um, my junior, senior year. And we did, like, ACT prep and then resume. So that's where I learned how to, like, write a resume in that class. And then every year I just kept it updated no matter – what I would update it. And then whenever I got a LinkedIn, I got in the process of continuously keeping it updated. And what I learned was that you get some of your biggest opportunities from LinkedIn. And now that we're in like the social media era, where people are looking for your social presence. So you meet somebody and the first thing they ask you usually is like, you got an Instagram, you got a Facebook. And so when I meet people in business, when I'm out networking, uh, do you have a LinkedIn? So I was in perfect example of the value of LinkedIn I was while I was going into Sephora one day after working an event in the mall at a different store 
um, a young man that I had met who um, had asked me for, you know, just to help lend him a helping hand for the day. I worked with him and then I was going to look for like a Mother's Day gift. It was Mother's Day weekend. And I was like, oh, let me stop and pick up some concealer. So I went to Sephora, um, was looking for my Holy Grail concealer. And then I was like, I need face wash. So I went over to this counter and or this wall display and everything was like black and white this bread I'd never seen before so it caught my eye so then the lady walks over and she's like hey can I help you with anything so I'm thinking this is just uh you know sales clerk so I'm talking to her and telling her about my bad skin and all these different things she's telling me about her skin so then she's like well what do you do for a living so I told her you know I uh, do a myriad of things I upgrade resumes I throw events I'm a consultant um, for operations, for different business, small business owners. And so she said, oh, really? We're having a Juneteenth event and we need someone to throw our event. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, sure. But me, I'm thinking she's just talking. Like, I don't know this lady from a can of paint. You know what I mean? Why mm-hmm. she won't? I just told her I throw an event. She don't know me. She's like, well, do you have a LinkedIn? I was like, sure do. So we exchanged LinkedIn's. Again, I'm thinking that she's just talking, just shooting shit with me. No, sis found me on LinkedIn and a couple of days later, she had hit, hit me up with a message and then reached out and we got to talking or whatever, but it was because my LinkedIn was updated. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, my LinkedIn, I, I give my LinkedIn the least amount of attention because I'm always so busy doing other people's, but um, on there is almost the most recent work that I've done, it's, it's pretty recent. And so I'm sure that it is the the way that it was laid out as well as the information that was on there, the companies that I work for or what have you that made her go like, oh, okay, this person might be reputable. And, you know, I've talked to her. She seems to be, you know, knowledgeable. Let's take a chance on her. And they did. So I was able to throw the inaugural uh, June in the Green Hills Mall Sephora. So wow. LinkedIn is is the bomb okay <laughs> don't sleep on linkedin i ain't been at mall since i don't know 2011 10 maybe yeah and it's not a mall that i frequent often uh um, i don't be in that part of town very often just for various reasons right. <laughs> right like you don't really have a reason i used to actually work over there across from the mall but um i don't really have a reason to be out there very often i just happen to be out there helping that guy um with his event that he was a part of and um just wandered into the store, but it's, it's like having your LinkedIn up to date. I can't stress that enough. And with all of my resume clients, a lot of people come, they just want their resume updated, but I always stress the LinkedIn service. And it's not just to try and upsell for more money. Cause I don't really charge that much for it, to be honest, but I feel like having a great resume is one thing, but when people want a quick snapshot of who you are, they're going to go find you online and, and having that set up, Having a banner can even just be the slightest change. No doubt. And I, like I said, I use LinkedIn to get guests on my show and promote the show. And uh, mm-hmm. I've got not a lot of guests from LinkedIn. Like, who I thought I would get, you know, to connect with Wade Phillips, former defense coordinator, coach, Super Bowl champion dude from the Denver Broncos, stuff like that. Uh, Anthony Amy, a guy who works at BNC, you know, so. A lot of people in my field, sports arena, I've connected with based on LinkedIn. I got a situation with a new distributor, new LinkedIn for my show. So you're right. It, it works. When I don't be on it all the time, but I use it for what I need it for. Guess yeah. and promote the show when I post a new show. Yeah, for sure. Um, another, what's another? Oh, so I have one client. Um. She hadn't touched her LinkedIn in Lord knows at least three, four years. And there was nothing really on it. But when I got done, you know, and it wasn't a whole lot because I had to build it from scratch, but it wasn't a whole lot I had to do because a lot of the, what I call LinkedIn optimization is not the stuff that you see on the profile. It's the backend tweaks, um, the technical things that mess with your visibility and stuff. Um, but the, the front of her page looks really good when I got done. And I believe that is what pushes people over the edge when it comes, becomes down to you and another, um, applicant for a role It's having that LinkedIn together. And then for my clients, your cover letter, your resume and your banner for your LinkedIn are going to match. So you've been branded and that makes you appear, you know, just like it sets you apart from the other applicants too. No doubt, for sure. And like you said, that 
your service is actually kind of a, a coaching opportunity for people because getting that second eye, set of eyeballs on what you're doing is helpful, you know, because sometimes you get stuck in your ways, you believe what your ways do, but had a different perspective to say, hey, maybe a word or two here or there may stand out more than just what you got. So Absolutely. the service you offer is very essential for the improving the black employment rate in this world because we still lagging behind. And mm -hmm. even though we in vogue right now, so allegedly, mm -hmm. <laughs> it still needs to be better, right? Yeah. And, and so I thank you for your help and being a black woman leading and helping that because uh, I respect anybody as a hustler. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, people are near and dear to my heart. I I don't know why. And I say that because ever since I was a little girl, I used to go to the library every week and I would always get, I'm always looking, I don't care what the story was, it always had to have black people in it or on the cover or something like that. And then when I got to college, I ended up studying the African diaspora. So my minor is, yes. I um, love that already. My degree is in English um, with a concentration in African-American literature. And then my minor was um, pre-law and legal thought. But a lot of those um, classes that I had to take were like African-American rhetoric and things like that. So if it's about Black people, I want to know about it. Like Black people are near and dear to my heart. So when it comes to anything or providing a service that has to do with empowering Black people, it's right up my alley, um, especially with Black women. So my, my services are for anyone. I've definitely done some male's resumes, but my services are predominantly geared towards women because we make less. Um, and, and what I was really inspired by this group, Ladies Get Paid, I went to one of their events here in Nashville, and I learned a lot about the disparity in wage wages between men and women, um, but especially Black women, we make a lot less more. And a lot of times we're the person who's carrying it all. Like me, at the brokerage I used to work for, um, I set that place in motion. Like I set them up for success, but I was the only person of color. I'm sure I made less than everyone and I was not treated the best um, by um, the leadership. The, now the people there were, you know, great, but like leadership, they didn't, they didn't value me, right? And mm -hmm. so- a lot of times we as women, but even just black people in general, we get into positions where we always feel like we need this job. Like I got, I need a job, I bills. We a lot of times living paycheck to paycheck. So we feel like I, I need this job. I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta keep my head down. I hear, I hear us say that a lot. I just gotta or code switch to fit in with them. Or code switch. Yeah. So I had to do a lot of speaking like this. How are you? How's your day going? Yeah, it's, it's really great. And oh, so I couldn't do that to save my life. The hood would so come out of me. <laughs> it got to a point where with um, HR, I had a discussion and I was just like, you know, I'm tired of um, having to have conversations with people where I have to turn to my voice like this so that I sound better and more palatable for them because my voice is deeper and authoritative. And I will no longer be speaking like that anymore because that's not true to myself and I shouldn't have to alter myself in order to get along well with other people who have a preconceived bias or notion about me. And so that did not go well with me. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And eventually I was forced to resign. But what I learned from that situation is to not be afraid to speak up. And what it was was a black woman in HR called me and said, on your narrative. All right, back on the Boss Man Show, part two with Mary here. We had some, you know, issue with the technology, but that was that happens. Negroes won't let you only let you be great. I get it. But we back. <laughs> she was giving you a, a, a some a background about her and her previous job or her background, um on her narrative because you know, having the code switch, talk differently to be around people that doesn't look like her. It's not cool. Now I talk to this on show block people code switching how I'm against it but she had to deal with it in her office place and it cost her to say hey now nah, I'm good I gotta be myself and so I'm gonna tell your story Mary because I don't want to tell it for you the floor is yours all right well really I was just saying um on your narrative um I had I had a woman reach out to me black woman from HR and tell me you know on the narrative you can walk away from this situation you can allow them to fire you 
Um, and so I did, I resigned, but I found myself begging for the job because I was married to the idea that I needed this job. Like it was my first job that I felt like was the big girl job. And I've had a lot of like, you know, prominent corporate jobs, but like this one, I was like, this is the one, like, this is it. I'm going to grow with this company. I'm going to become a director of operations. It's, it's, it's going to be great. And that was not the case. So I was really heartbroken because I thought I finally found the company I was going to grow with for years and things like that. But because like I never wanted to really just be an entrepreneur like um, that was like not, you know, I just wanted to make sure money, you know what I mean? And to have fun, bring women together, help women out. But I wasn't like trying to be, you know, a business mogul or anything like that. But being pushed out of that situation pushed me into really believing in myself and understanding the gift that I have as far as helping other women or other people, um, you know, excel in their career. Um, like you said earlier, LinkedIn has been a huge component when it comes to uh, setting my clients apart from other applicants. Um, the way that I craft resumes, the years of experience I have in doing so, um, it's why I charge what I charge, by the way, but it's, um, my years of experience and just learning different trends. And then also the time that I take to study, to read up on what's going on, what our recruiters looking for these days, you know, it's always, um, I'm always learning, investing in books. Like I spend a lot of money on books. Um, but yeah, that, that's really just the point that I was making was just like in corporate America, um, as black people, a lot of times we automatically give, um, leadership, HR, whomever, our power, we don't assume that we have power and we do. And so I try to let people that I come in contact with know that, um, for example, negotiating your um, compensation is just not your hourly rate. A lot of times we get stuck on that, but compensation is your benefits package. It's your perks. Um, and a lot of times people don't know what those are. So that's my job is just explaining to you what that looks like in ways that you can, um, you can advance yourself. It's funny you say that because I do my own contracts and I have a buyout that if I get fired, I'm set for life. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so when you threaten me with termination, please do. And you yeah. owe me that money 60 days after you fire me. That'll change my life forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and they know they didn't know it's, it's hard line, it's airtight because they had to agree to it. This is what's telling me they needed me, obviously. <laughs> they agreed <Okay>. to it, <laughs> yeah. And so, that's another thing just like contracts. Um, I didn't always operate on contracts because I was just doing this as a one off, but as I've gotten you know, more clientele businesses picked up, I've definitely learned to put things in writing and be very specific about those things the scope of work especially um I'll never forget one of my first resumes that I did for someone who I didn't know personally someone I had was acquainted with but really was a friend of a friend um I did their resume great resume um if I looked at it now I probably would be like "Ooh, girl this some stuff you would change but for what it was at the time it was a great resume um it was 150 dollars and the reason was because I put a lot of time and effort in and research into crafting this resume for this person. And I think she was in the medical field, which is not, I mean, I'm not in the medical field. So of course I had to do a lot of research. Um, but the, the template was not editable. And so I didn't communicate that because I didn't realize that I had to, because I felt like, I mean, look at your resume and look at what I did to your resume and the time I put in, $150 should be nothing. But to them, it was a problem because they couldn't edit it. So that was something that I learned really early on was give out all the information that you, you can think that might be, that might your client may object to, um, and also put everything in writing so that they have a scope of work to refer back to. No doubt. And you said you love Black history and Black... You, Y'all know about Robert Church and Church Park with on Bill Street, how the man that saved Memphis after the all the, the diseases in Memphis, the yellow fever, all that stuff. That black man, and he was light bright, but he he ran around Memphis as Memphis right now. About Robert Church, it would be no mm-hmm. Memphis as it is right now. Now I know the name, but I can't say that I know the story associated with, so I'm gonna have to look that up. 
go you know, on Bill Street on the on the non-tourist side, Church Park. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Robert Church, that's the man's name. That's why I know the name because I've seen the sign. <laughs> yeah, on the non-tourist side of the where where I were, I I park on Gayoso or on the other side of Bill Street to go to Grizzly. Yeah. Game. Or when sometimes I get the credentials in the little Grizzly park parking lot on Dr. Martin Luther King Drive or whatever. Mm. I still worry about my vehicle, but (laughs) (laughs) I love I love me some Memphis. I lived there for about eight years. I went to school for there for four and a half years, and then I lived there for about four years after. Um, and then I moved back here and I mean, it's just, it's different. It is a different place. People say, cause they've seen the first 48 and stuff like that. As much as they say it's dangerous. Like I never felt super unsafe in Memphis. And I don't know if that just means it's just cause I know I'm covered by God, excuse me, or what, but like, I never just felt super unsafe. And I had, um, I've had people follow me. I've had people watch my apartment. Um, but I, I I can't say that it's it's all that people make it out to be when they're like, oh, Memphis is so dangerous. And I'm just like, nah, it's really not more dangerous than any other place. Nah, it's not worse than, it's not worse than Atlanta. So, yeah, I'm used to it. Like, I'll be in Orange. I'll be over there on Bunton, Lamar. I'll be over there. Somebody's hanging out on Lamar. What you on Lamar doing? <laughs> Don't tell nobody you have Lamar. I got folks over along Lamar Avenue, Lamar Ave, 78, going to the, 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 the Mississippi, the Birmingham. That's why I go to go to Birmingham and Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I got folks over there on Lamar and Black okay. Haven. I know about Black Haven too. You know? <laughs> Black Haven. That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, before I moved to Memphis, I used to be in this uh, youth organization in high school and um, the kids, we would come from all over when we do conference. And I met this guy from Memphis and he used to call it Black Haven. I was like, Black Haven? Why do they call it that? And so when I moved there, I realized it's actually a place called White Haven that they renamed Black Haven. And I yes. used to work out there off Elvis Presley. And uh, the running joke is like, if you're from Memphis, you've never been to Graceland. And, and nobody I know has ever been to Graceland. Yeah, I've never been there either. I've never been either. I don't want to go. Like, no. Yes. I've been to the Memphis Zoo, and that's about it. Yeah, the zoo, the zoo was lit on Tuesday. I don't know if they still do that, but back when I was in school, the zoo was placed. I ain't been to Mud Island either. Street. I ain't been to Mud Island, none of that crap. Now, I've been to Mud Island, but that was just like walking around, like uh, exercising. Yeah, um, so yeah. They used to live downtown, Memphis. The FedEx Forum and the zoo and mug shots and clicks. Malco away. Malco away. Yeah, it's right in front of the movie theater. I used to live over there too, off Riverdale. Yeah, so I, th- those the, I'm I'm, I'm in the Orange Mound. I'm in Cordova. Sometimes Bartlett, East Why Memphis. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> now I've been on a uh, Candle Road a few times to some big houses out there. Hey Lord, yeah. Lord, okay, I see y'all out here bougie and bad out here in the Shelby Gardens over. I see y'all working uh-huh. over here. <laughs> Memphis definitely has the 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 favorite part for me about Memphis is Christmas time, um, where I used to live off Poplar, close to Census, actually across the street from Census. So if you would go down the back way in our neighborhood towards the school, um, and go down, I think it's Central, um, you would see all the beautiful, like the bigger homes have like um, professional decorators, like so you, their yards would be doing all the Christmas lights and all that kind of stuff. And going down, like I think it's Walnut Grove uh, area. You see all the pretty Christmas yeah, lights. Yeah, I see the deer too in Walnut Grove. The deer on Walnut Grove too. The deer, yeah, yeah. The, the deer be deep on Walnut Grove at night. Yeah, do. That's the thing. Like, That's look, it. I used to be on the radio at seven thirty on Jackson Street, by, by 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 the graveyard over there. Yeah, I used to work out there too. I I worked a little bit everywhere. Worked or lived <laughs> a little bit of everywhere in Memphis. Uh, I mostly lived in North Memphis though, so. Um, I lived on one end of Cleveland and then the other. So uh, yeah. right behind Central High I say, School. don't end up with 201 Poplar. That's all I got to tell people. 201 Poplar oh. ain't for you. Don't end up there. So I spent a lot of time in 201. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in 201 Poplar um, as a pre-law minor. So when I would have to take my law classes, I would have to go to different uh, types of court. 
and uh it was interesting like I went to a divorce proceeding one time I went to several proceedings where it's like general sessions and stuff like that it's very interesting to say the least <laughs> no doubt well tell us about your single woman Joan lifestyle because that's an interesting lifestyle to have tell us about that and what's inspired that for you as well well, single woman John actually started when I it was a, a phrase I coined when I was in my last year of college. Um, I had moved into my own apartment and I had lived off campus for a while. I lived, I had a roommate who was a guy. Um, and then I moved into my own apartment by myself. And so it was like my first time living as a single woman. And I just had like what I thought was the best apartment um, behind Central High School. It was at the top. Uh, it was like only two on my end. So it was me at the top, a, a, another guy at the bottom, him and his roommate. And um, I had, I mean, my apartment was just the bomb. And so everybody would say like, you know, most college students, their, their apartment was like a college student's apartment. Mine was like a, like a home and it's very grown up. And so um, I just felt like I was living my best single woman life, like sex in the city, girlfriends kind of thing. And so, like, I, I remember calling my mom one day, um, just, like, on the weekend check-in or whatever. And she's like, what you doing? I was like, man, girl, get my single woman, Joan, on. You know, Joan could keep no man. She, you know, I'm just living my single life. And so, ever since then, I started calling this single woman, Joan. And she was, like, my favorite character on Girlfriends. Of course, I wanted to be a lawyer and, you know, all the things. And she was the friend out of all her friends who was, like, the most, like, put together financially um she just seemed like the one that like had it together and I mean Tony Childs of course she was a baller you know she lived in her like luxurious apartment and all that but Joan was the one that was like really in her career field really about business and it's like the only thing she felt like she was missing was a man and mm -hmm. I don't think she got that man but <laughs> um yeah that's how it started and so Moving forward, I just like called myself single woman Joan on 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 Instagram, and my posts. Uh, I'm I'm a pretty transparent person, so I think my following was built from just that transparency in my posts uh, about being a single woman, um, being in my career, dating, all of the things, and then it just kind of grew from there and turned into um, a blog. So I, I started a blog when I moved back here to take care of my grandmother. And so I, it was kind of cathartic because I didn't, I didn't have a job. I was here with my grandmother who was, um, she had dementia. So I was adjusting to that and I was 25 going on 26. So I didn't really know, like I was still very immature. I didn't know what that really was. And I don't know. So it was kind of like my escape. And then from there, um, like I said, I was working for the brokerage just kind of doing resumes on the side. And then uh, I started a newsletter, which then turned into events. And so then I was like, okay, I think this might be my wheelhouse. This I'm, I'm in my bag now. Um, mm -hmm. so this with the Less Link Brunch started. Um, so I started doing the Less Link Brunch, which were like no host events, meaning I didn't pay for it. I just invited, I coordinated it, curated it, got people together. Um, and then, um, whatever, whatever restaurant I would pick and then just give people opportunity to network across, uh, meet other women, meet other like, like-minded women who are interested in the things that they're interested in or interested in other things they may not know about. And, um, that's really just kind of how it got going. Um, I guess 2018 was the first brunch and I did like a podcast theme. So it was like a talk show. So I was like giving you very much Nopra. Um, like I had a couch. I was the host. I had a, like a couple guests or three guests, two guests and a co-host. That's what it was. Two guests and a co-host. So I had someone come and record. So I had a bottom third with like my name and my little logo. It was really cool. And um, then from there, more, uh, that one I did host, but the other ones were no hosts. And then um, I just kept growing from there, just kept talking about the lifestyle, kept, um, I had a group me at one time where we were just kind of chatting in and staying acquainted, but it was really mostly about linking other women with each other in a positive light. No doubt. I, I can respect them dearly because, uh, you know, you all need an outlet. We, see, we have the barbershop, to, but you all need it in a capacity that's not, because I feel like the salon was worse than the barbershop. I, I, 
I don't want to even go out uh, to about salon syndrome. I have PTSD I, I from that. Salons. I can't remember the last time I've ever I've been in a salon because I have not gotten my hair done professionally in decades. I feel like look dating a cosmetologist. I got scarred for life. I got dragged like it was nothing. I was nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might not be the safest place for you, brother. Um, yeah, like you know what, like. I'm like, you believe you little helpers, you laying up me every night, these helpers tell you what, really? Well, so that is, yeah, I think that is um, probably how people sometimes look at single women. Like, I don't have, I have some male fans, but I don't have, like, a lot of males have given me feedback. I won't say a lot. I'll say males that are, have been close to me um, have told me a lot. Well, you act like a man. Or you act like a nigga. I get that a lot. And I'm just like, no, I'm just very direct. And y'all not used to women being that way. Actually, I prefer to... that. I, like, Some men do. A lot of men like, don't. Look, I, I can't do. read your mind. I'm not a vine. I can't read your mind, baby. How don't you think it? It ain't all right. <laughs> I mean, like, I, um, I'm a very direct person. Um, I do recognize that Mm, I won't say I'm tactless, I, but I have been. Like I've grown to be. I've like I've learned tact because I'm a very blunt person too. So um, I just think that a lot of men, um, they sometimes think that they're equipped to deal with someone being very direct, but then find out they're not. Like I've been on podcasts with men that hasn't worked out because of that. Um, I've had guests be disrespectful for me to me because I've asked them to call me my name, and I was just like, "Hey, my name's Mary. You can call me that." And I've had a guy tell me, "No, you were supposed to say, could you please call me Mary? My name is Mary." And I was like, "No, I don't have to talk to you like that, nigga. My name Mary. What you mean?" Exactly. Nah, nah. So nah I, I mean, look, I, I'm like this. You know how the church say, "Come as you are." Come as you are, dealing with me, because I'm a I'm a be me coming to you. Right, you know, and and I'll say I'm an acquired taste. You can't usually got you can deal with me, or you can't. It's no glory with me. Either you like me or you don't. For sure. If I don't like you, you know what bothers people is that I don't care if you like me. Correct. Um, I don't care if you like me. I do care how I present myself, just because I'm a professional. Like, um, Mm -hmm. that is one thing people know about me. Um, and will tell you, I, I will definitely try to remain professional in any situation. But another thing that people know about me is I am not for play. Okay. So um, it's just finding the balance between those two personalities um, among all the other ones I have. But <laughs> yeah, most definitely. But yeah, See, it's definitely about finding the balance between those two. Yeah. You know, so I, I, like, I like the positivity, you know, because I do, I do feel like the salon is a place that we get dragged for no reason. And uh, they bring that stuff home with them. And like, really? You lay with my well, ass every night. I think that men think that I'm the leader of the he-man, the she-man, the woman haters club. I don't think you right. that, but I think some of them do have that mindset because they've been burnt by some the sucker 20 years ago and still holding on to yeah. it. Yeah. And see, I'm I'm of the mindset, like when I gather women, nine times out of ten, we even talk about men starting out. Now the conversation will get there. It's usually some business, some empowerment, just something about yourself. You know, it, it always you. is that one spot though. But it'll end up, <laughs> you know, we talking about men at some point. And so I think what what men probably think about me based on my online persona, what they see that I post is um they'll say like i hate men or um i'm very hard on men or i act like a man act like a nigga whatever they want to say but um i'm just direct and i don't like bullshit and um a lot of things that some men qualify as feminine to me is really you want me to be dumb or you want me to be uh foolish like you want me to accept things that i know I'm more like I'm deserving of more. So um I think sometimes I do kind of struggle with mm, should I post this? Should I not post that? But then I'd be like, whatever. Um, because I certainly don't want men to think, like I say, I don't care what people think because I don't like I don't take it personally, is what I mean. But I don't want men to think that that's what 
women come to my events or anything related to me and single woman John for because I absolutely love men, especially black men. Um, my thing is just encouraging women to be the best versions of themselves corporately and in the world so that when you do meet a mate, you show up as your entire self, you know who you are and you cannot be easily persuaded, but you also um, know how to like be a helpmate or be a supporter and not always um, trying to be the boss. An adversary. I, I was like, yeah. I'll be, be an adversary always competing because this is my thoughts of Mary is this. If, if we eventually want to be as one, right? Let's start taking our best parts together. Maybe mm -hmm. your weakness is my strength. My weakness is your strength. And we can, but see what I found out being the age I am and that it's like, it's a, it's like a, a competition. And I'm like, mm -hmm. we got to come together. Eventually we're going to be together. Right. Why are we competing against each other? Like, and see, I've dated men who have been in competition with me and I didn't know. Um, and, and, and I think sometimes they didn't even know. So that's been- they insecure with themselves. That's why. Right. Because they're insecure <laughs> with themselves. But a lot of them have thought like, oh, I can handle Mary. That's light work. You know, but then find out, no, Mary's going to ask you questions that hold you accountable. Mary's going to, you know, have some thought-provoking conversations with you. She's going to want to know like, no. So like- that's the point of contention for most of our relationships uh, with men is when I start asking questions, start holding you accountable, start saying, oh, that don't really add up to me. Then that's when it's like, oh, no, she knows too much. I'm going to have to leave her alone. She, she, See, those, she those are brothers who, who have to play games. See, exactly. A, a Negro like me, I tell her, this is what you get. What, I am what I am. It's what you get. Okay. You know, look here. You have a a corporate thug Negro. I'm a CTN. A corporate thug Negro. A so, CTN. <laughs> so, look, I can be a thug and, a, and I can also go corporate and do other stuff, but I'm, I'm off the, the boss man show and the covering the media. I'm just JR from the hood. <laughs> but I but I'm got myself together. You feel? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's hard trying to I don't know. It's hard because if you ask me, I'm married from the hood. Like I'm me, pretty much the same me everywhere I go. Um, I know that they're like, sometimes you do have to code switch. Sometimes you have to read the room and act accordingly. Um, but for the most part, I'm just very down to earth, you know, straightforward. Um, but a lot of men that I've encountered, they think it's cool until it ain't. So. That's what I call beta males weak men yes, beta males. <laughs> i have had some alpha some beta males think that they were alpha males or so i have a guy friend shout out to mike um like one of my only like close guy friends that lives in nashville and he's older so um he was explaining to me about the last guy david he was like see what happened was mary he was a beta male who thought he was an alpha male and at first he thought oh see i'm gonna lock mary down but then you you know you uh you know what I'm saying you, you put that thing on him and uh now yeah the beta male took over now he don't know what to do he just emotional like carl thomas and i'm just like <laughs> so emotional that soul chissed me out and now I'm like oh, okay then so I mean so I'm not gonna lie some of the stuff like that we do talk about as single women because that's part of the lifestyle oh, and that. like I, I, I mean I tried to tell you from the beginning brother that's my sense of it like, can't handle real like, they can't handle the truth you know what I'm saying some of these the chicks can't handle the truth either like this is my thing I, I was on a relationship panel you know in Louisville a couple weeks ago, I just said, I'm going to tell you what I said. So look, you got to love yourself. Somebody Period. tell you down, tell them that's they, that's, say that's they lost. Now, no, you know. If we get out of, I've even gotten out of habit of saying that's they lost. Um, it depends on the situation because there are sometimes where it is a person's loss, but then sometimes that just didn't work out because it wasn't meant to be. It, it wasn't, it, that just wasn't it. Um, now, any man that I've dated, that's your loss <laughs> but <laughs> most most of the times um 
I don't, I don't, I don't automatically resign to saying, oh, that's that person's loss. Because a lot of times women, we as women will say that, but you really wasn't no loss. Cause sister, you had some issues. And I think that's the thing too, that men don't my like people who watch me, the male audience, they don't realize that I'm telling women. Um, cause there are some women who might feel like I'm a little Kevin Samuels with them. And then there might be some women who feel like, oh, Mary's very compassionate with me. But for the most part, like sometimes I'm just like, sister, you're not the victim. You're the problem. It's you. Yeah, now you see, longer, I, I was going for the self-confidence route when I was on that panel, trying to mm -hmm. give men and women look. Somebody turn you down and say lost. That let them yeah. turn you down. They don't know what you offer. They they missed out. That that was how I was gonna give them some confidence because you know me, I don't give a damn. Like Right. I gotta, and I, I think gotta, that's why I, you know, took it the other way because I was just like, mm, I'm not even thinking about like because I might say yeah. I, I I ain't got no children. I got a radio <laughs> show. I'm in the public eye. I'm doing things and you don't want you don't want I'm a unicorn. How many brothers in their 30s and got no kids in in, in double degree? That's true. That's true. So, well, but yeah, that's true. So if you don't want that, because because of my schedule. But your, your personality might suck, JR. It does. That's that's this is like that's like that's the thing too we get caught up in is, is because we look good on paper we sound good on paper that we think like we're the ultimate catch so that's I'm, I'm gonna say what it is I don't take nothing yeah you, you, you see I have a legal mind so I'm gonna analyze what, 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 you, what you said to me okay yeah. you say it is but you're doing this mm -hmm. see see I'm, it doesn't feel logically for you if it doesn't yeah, feel logically if, for if you, it don't look I'm, I'm okay. gonna say look I'm gonna say look this ain't gonna work out shout yeah. Like, like, nah, um, we need to just either be friends or be nothing at all. I can't yeah, get... Yeah, to be friends with you at, at all. It's it's over. You, you know, like, I can't. So, because for me, I'm I'm listening to what you're saying to me. And I'm watching your action, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm going to hear your words, but I'm watch how, how you move, though. If you ain't moving right, or if I feel like... See, in my... See, I should listen to Project Pat. Don't save her. She don't want to be safe. I would try to save these women or deal with the hurt and try to solve the hurt. I, I, look, I ain't Dr. Phil. I ain't, none of, I ain't none of these people. So I had to stop doing that nonsense. Well. So, so, yeah. So in my career, I have evolved to just look. I, if you got some flaws, I can deal with some flaws. Certainly I can't deal with. And if I got to fight the ghost of Six men prior to me, I, I can't do it. Yes, there shouldn't be in a relationship. Then, if, you, if she's still hopping on somebody six dates, six six men they didn't date ago, but that, I mean that's a real thing. Like um, the dating aspect of it, people be really interested in because I mean I get the question a lot: is when you get a boyfriend, you gonna you gonna still be single woman John? I'm like, yeah, so he married me. I guess then I'd be girlfriend woman John, married woman John. I don't know. Um, now, I would say keep the brand. It would keep, definitely still be single woman, John. Yeah, um, keep, yeah, keep but, the brand, but but yeah, I, I moved on. So helping y'all, see? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a there is a blog I follow or a page I follow on Instagram called I've Been That Girl Too, and a lot of it is um super relatable um situations that we've been in as women. A lot of it speaks to um, the parts of ourselves that we allow uh to stay that, that make us allow, you know allow things in relationships that we know we don't deserve or stick around things that we know you know that really don't align with us or our purpose um I just I I'm all about empowering women to just be the best version and be their whole self um because I believe once you know who you are and you are firm in, in who you believe yourself to be um you're you're like unshakable like you're not easily persuaded and i've also dated some men who were easily persuaded and if you are a person that's crazy to me anybody can tell you anything especially if they can tell you something over me you know what i mean and their opinion way more than mine so i've dated men like that too but that is another form of insecurity that i think sometimes women don't um see men and women i'm gonna say women uh, men and women don't see because there are some super easily impressionable women and sometimes that works for men who prey on those type of women mm -hmm. but a lot of times 
um, those types of women find themselves uh, losing themselves in relationships with men too. Um, you get so caught up in that other person because you know who you are that everything is about them and then you don't have a life outside of that person. No doubt. Before we wrap it up, tell the folks how to get at you on the Instagram, the Twitters, the Facebooks, and the LinkedIn's so we get out of here tonight here on the Boss Man Show on your radio. Okay. Um, I'll be hiding on Twitter. I don't really be on Twitter. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at singlewomanjoan, J-O-A-N. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at the, with two E's, underscore visionary Mary, M-A-Y-R-E-E the double E's. Um, you can find me on Facebook at The Visionary Mary, two E's as well. Um, and then you can visit my website, www.singlewomanjoan.com. Um, so those are all the ways you can get in touch with me, connect with me. Right now, I am booked and busy for the rest of September and probably part of October. So my schedule is closed on my website, but you're welcome to send me an email. That information is all over those pages I listed. Um, you're welcome to send me an email for any inquiries, um, resumes, business consulting. I also do some booking for people, um, a myriad of things. So um, people call me Mary the Solutionist. So if you have a problem, I likely can find you a solution. No doubt. Check out, folks. It's JR with Mary here on the Boss Man Show. She'll be back for sure. We out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.